Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. What's up, everybody? Today is February 21st, 2016, and uh, we're going strong into the new year. Got some great shows coming up for you, and I uh, hope you guys are liking what we're putting out this uh, this year so far. It's uh, it's really cool to be uh, we're going into our third year now uh, of Gecko Nation Radio. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, the, the listenership keeps growing, and I'd like to thank the people that do share it the links and stuff on Facebook. So that's how we grow and that's how new people find us. So if you like what we're doing here, please help us out and share the Facebook posts and like the Gecko Nation Radio page, page please. Also, if you like what we do here on Gecko Nation Radio, uh, definitely check out some of our affiliates like Herp and Time Radio. They're on Blog Talk here. Also, uh, Morelia Python Radio is another great one. And, of course, Corn on the Pod is a newer show with uh, focusing on corn snakes and cooler birds and stuff like that. So uh, those are three more shows you guys might uh, like out there. So let me know what you think. Check them out. Um, tonight's show is going to be different. We're uh, bringing on a previous guest who's uh, been doing some really cool things. He's uh, started out as a hobbyist like uh, most of us, and now he's uh, managing his own reptile expo in Texas. That's Mr. Sean Gray from Night Blow Reptiles. Um, so we're going to bring on Sean in a few minutes, but first, just want to uh, give our sponsors a minute. And of course, folks, we love our sponsors. They are really the best at what they do, really good people. Don't ever worry about the, getting ripped off from any of these folks that sponsor this show. They're vetted very well here. So uh, I mean, if you do any business with them, please do and uh, mention the show, and they're going to take care of you. So uh, listen to this quick plug, and I'll be right back. LeopardGecko.com. Check out Ron Tremper's work with all different types of amazing leopard gecko morphs, such as bandits, high yellows, extreme emerines, raptors, and much, much more. Also, check out his app in the App Store called LG Pro. It's basically an encyclopedia of leopard gecko morphs, great for beginners. And he has another app called Leopard Gecko Care as well. Great stuff. Check him out. And, of course, Supreme Gecko. Mr. Wally Kern does an awesome job with cresties and day geckos and all kinds of cool, obscure species that you don't see all the time. His website's also a wealth of information, so visit SupremeGecko.com. And, of course, Ohio Gecko. Uh, Ohio Gecko is very well known for working on all different types of leopard gecko morphs and fat tails. Uh, he's pioneering the fat tail gene, the starburst, so that's uh, unique to his collection. Check that out at OhioGecko.com. And, of course, Gecko Boa Reptiles, GeckoBoa.com. 
if you guys are looking for some really high-end leopard gecko morphs and any of the subspecies and wild types related to leopard geckos, John is the man for that. So go to Gecko Boa Reptiles on Facebook or geckoboa.com. And, of course, Rainbow Mealworms. We love Rainbow Mealworms. Rainbowmealworms.net. Best pricing, best customer service, all kinds of great stuff, not just mealworms. they got superworms, crickets, uh, roaches, too. Definitely give Rainbow Mealworms a shot. You will not be disappointed. That's rainbowmealworms.net. And if you're shipping your animals anywhere in the country or to Canada and now Puerto Rico, uh, use Reptiles Express for your FedEx labels. You get them at the best rates that I've found, and also any shipping supplies that you need, like cardboard insulated boxes, heat packs, deli cups, snake bags, and much more. So visit Reptiles Express. It's a, the membership is free, and if you have any trouble, ask for Amy. She'll help you out. And sea serpents, if you guys are breeding snakes or geckos or reptiles of any kind, sooner or later you're going to need a rack system. Get rid of all those tanks all over your house. So check out sea serpents and hotbox incubators. Hot, top quality rack and incubator manufacturer right there, folks. All right, seaserpents.com. And if you guys need any kind of graphic design work or stickers or banners or stuff like that, visit reptilestickers.com. Ask for Rachel. She'll totally help you out. And if you're sick of crickets chirping in your house, getting out and climbing the walls, keeping you up at night, switch to Dubia Roaches. Go with AB Dragons, abdragons.com. Use the code GNR, I'm sorry, use the code GECKO, all in caps, with AB Dragons, and you're going to get 5 or 10% off your order. They have all different types of roaches, just not just Dubias. They have uh, very obscure roaches that you don't see all the time as well abdragons.com code is gecko all in caps and the code for dbd pet that's gnr5 all in caps dbdpet.com is the best reptile supply distributor that i found and we are proud to have them on board as a sponsor dbd pet has anything you need from caging lighting supplementation heat pads flex watt heat tape everything all kinds of good stuff that you'll need decorations for your tank uh or cages um and they're at almost all the reptile shows on the East Coast, too. So if you see them at any of the expos on the East Coast, mention Gecko Nation Radio. They'll give you 10% off on the spot uh, off their already low prices. And, of course, their website and app is dbdpet.com, and use the code GNR5 for a discount on their uh, supplies online. All right, folks, we are back. Um all right, I don't think I'm going to waste any more time. Let's go ahead and bring on Sean from Nyquil Reptiles. Sean, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing good, Sean. What's new, man? Oh, what's not new? <laughs> Got a little <laughs> bit of everything going on right about now, so uh, just uh, getting ready for, for the New Orleans show this weekend and going through all our checklists and, you know, my wife keeps me organized, so she's got a long list of things for me to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the last but, time, uh, last time we talked, you basically had, you were feeling a little overwhelmed. You had a, basically a, uh, a stamp collection of reptiles and all kinds of leopard geckos. Are you still, uh, have you, have you kept your same amount of animals, or have you decreased the, your, your sizes, or you, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've downsized a little bit. Um, I still have. 
Well, it's hard not to bring home new reptiles as many shows as we do, but um, <laughs> I still have I still have a, a little over 450, close to 500 Leos. Uh, we've sold wow. quite a few recently at some of the shows and stuff. But but I, I you know I'm I'm traveling a lot now, marketing for the shows and things like that, and I've probably still got another 30 or 40 different species of this and that here and there, you know, kind of things. And some stuff my wife didn't even know about until last week, but that's another story. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, you know, I still, you know, I'm, I'm still in it. Uh, I haven't really paired a lot this year, uh, just working on a few, you know, specific um, projects that we've been working on over the years, you know, to keep those going and things like that. But, you know, we we produced, what, two years ago we did 500 babies in one year, and that was just completely insane. Uh, for yeah. you know someone that you know works a full time job and then does all the other stuff on the side, but so uh, you know we've got a few pairs going and you know we we still like to take them and show them off and we just did NERBC last weekend and did really well um, really well there so it's out there once the once the shipping weather gets a little better I'll I need to put up quite a few up online and move some stuff but you know I'm never I'm I'm not going to ever come to the point where I have no reptiles it just it's not in me it's you know it's, it's in my blood to keep myself I second that well yeah. well being being that we're already talking about your geckos let's let's talk a little bit about some of your projects for 2016 and then we'll uh transition to uh your experience with the expo but uh so what what are you working on this year you know I'm still I'm still refining that the red stripe and marine stuff that we were working on um I have uh, some new stuff that's going into it. Uh, you know, I've gotten rid of all my blood projects. Um, I, I'm still working with a lot of the white and yellow bell stuff, too. Uh, produce some really nice white and yellow typhoons. Um, and then we're, we've got a, a white and yellow super typhoon project that we're working on, um, which is a pretty cool animal. And then, you know, um, the... The the Emmerine Snow Project is still going. Uh, gotten some pretty neat results from that so far. Um, getting closer to you know that the black, white, and green kind of gecko. That it's it's it, it's it's coming along. It's it's one of the slowest things I've done, but you know it, it's not all fast. You know you're not all going to get results right off the bat. So <clears throat> it's, is that it's the, the labor one you call the limeade? Is that the no, the limeade was the the, the limeades we still have. That was uh, the the line that Matt Kaplinski um was working on that we took over. That's just basically a hypoemerine um that we're playing around with it to see what the gene does because I mean eventually you could see almost a solid green body color with that project. Um mm-hmm. but but right now you're getting right now we're getting the, the hypo completely hypo, no spotting on the bodies, but the emerine stripes on the side. So it's basically um like a hypo tang with green striping but no black on the body. Um we have mm. probably six or seven from that project. It's it's pretty neat the way he did it and the heads are white. Um which is a little different. Uh there's some there's some flex here and there spots on the head, but we're trying to get to almost a white head with a green body. Um eventually, you know, that's the goal, but it might be a few years yeah. away, but it's something that it's something that's pretty interesting to work with, so uh, but cool. you know it's all it's all it's all polygenic stuff, and then you know we've hatched out a couple of white and yellow super snow eclipses, and and uh, uh, my wife will never let those go for some reason. That's her thing. But oh, they're awesome. So, well, I mean, things pretty cool though, you know, and that's 
it, it's 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 difficult taking over someone else's project and trying to go back through all their notes. Luckily, he kept very detailed records of everything. So, uh, you know, coming back from that and and doing some outcrossing with it to see what the gene does. And, you know, it's it's all polygenic, but um, but it, it's interesting. It's a pretty cool little deal. You were doing some really cool stuff with fascios last year. Are you still uh, working yeah. with them? Yeah, we've got some fascio. Uh, you know, with the you know, we're still crossing fascios into our enigmas and, and still testing that thing. And uh, we really don't let any of those enigmas go just until there, there's a few people that have that I've released a few to so they could do the same thing. Uh, Christy Hausman got one from me that she's had really good results from. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Lisa and Aaron Dunn of Sassy Scales in Oklahoma have gotten a couple of them that they've had really good results with. So, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna continue to work with that gene with the fascio and the fascio white and yellow stuff is is it's pretty interesting too. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure some people have seen the the the, uh, the fascia white and yellow eclipse that I posted. That's almost solid white with just black specks here and there. That gecko is just insane. Um, <clears throat> I didn't but, see that one. You got to post that again. Yeah, yeah, I'll post that one again. And then we've got uh, you know I got some Turks that we're playing around with some pure Turks. And then you know I'm, I'm eventually I need to go up to John Boone's place, but. I'm gonna pick up some some anger menu and some uh, some hard wick eye from him too. So I'm playing around with just a few things here and there. And uh, the the fascia stuff is we started with the Afghan. We we started with the Afghan. Our Afghan Halloween bolds have just been insane this year. Um, you know, solid bold stripes down the sides. Beautiful Halloween masking. Um, but we thought the Afghan would have something to do with the Enigma, but the results haven't been near as as effective with the fascia gene. So. Uh, we'll continue know, to plug that in and strengthen those lines. So, Fascio seems to be perfect for Enigmas. I mean, I've been doing it for like four years now, and I don't know. I mean, out of like, I'll get one that has, shows minimal signs of Enigma syndrome mm-hmm. out of like 20 babies, you know, and yeah, yeah, all the rest are sound. There's definitely something going on with that, and you know I don't know if it's just outcrossing with new blood, but you know like I said we've done it with Afghans and we've done it with Montanus and things like that. So I think just something in the fascio gene, um, you know, is affecting that 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 ES. So you know it's I don't think yeah. it'll ever be eradicated, but I think that there that's it's, it's a positive step, you know. And like you like you said, you've been playing with it for four years. We've been working on it for your you know three or four years too, and and the results speak for themselves. There's 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 something going on, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I cleaned up my whole uh, Dalmatian line like that, and uh, I'm not afraid to sell them now. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. confident. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I wonder what it what it is that's doing that. I mean, I think uh, outcrossing has a lot to do with it because you know a lot of these lines have been yeah. uh, line bred for generations, but. Uh, Maybe, maybe there is something else too. I mean, the the fascia is a locale. It's on, you know down to its roots. So it's uh, yeah. I, I think I think once once we get to the point where you know the uh, you know gene sampling and um, gene uh, the gene sequencing uh, is a little more um, less cost prohibitive to people, uh, especially if mm-hmm. we can get somebody in the lab to actually do it. I think we'll actually get to a point where we can break down this. You know some of these genes and see what we can do uh, to to eliminate the the ES because you know everyone loves the color and the pattern and and, and even just the um, you know how their um, their temperament uh, is different you know with Enigma so 
um, <clears throat> I'd like to get to the point where we could actually have someone come in and do a you know a huge sampling of different morphs and, and genetics and, and see what's really going on. Um, but you know, I think yeah. that's still a few years away. Yeah, no, it's definitely a few years away. Um, you know, I've, I've been bringing the fascios just together too, just to keep the fascios that I have. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Pure, uh, as, yeah, as pure as I can, and that. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, I've been noticing that uh, I get clearly different results sometimes. Like, I'll get some that have very, very low black pigment and some that have a lot of black, and I've actually split groups up now where I have a a low, a high white line of e-fascio and a higher black line. I mean, have you seen anything like yeah, that first? Yeah, I've, I've seen it in the same clutches. I've, I've seen exactly – it runs the gamut. Um I mean, normally you're gonna have the fasto gene's gonna make everything a little lighter, but I have seen I have seen the difference, and 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 again, that's just one of those random genetic mutations where you know it. And I'm talking, you know, all all females, same clutch, two eggs hatch, one's darker, a lot darker, noticeably darker than yeah. the other one. Yeah. But that's why we do it. We don't know, you know. <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of the egg. So, I mean, that's why most of us do this, you know. That's 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 the fun of it. And it perplexes oh, yeah. you a lot. You, you go through it, you start scratching your head, and you go back and look at everything, but <laughs> some things just can't be explained, you know. No, no, definitely not. And, uh, I, I mean, I was talking with John on it when John Scarborough came on the show, and he's seen it too. And uh, we were mm-hmm. talking that, you know, who knows, maybe within five years we could breed all the black atoms you know, the one group, and just create the line-bred white gecko. <laughs> yeah, the, the the problem that I see with that is once we start, you know, all the work that would go into that producing an, an all-white, you know, line-bred gecko, then you'd have the people producing blizzards and Murphy's Patternless selling them as all-white line-bred geckos. Um, and that's hmm. just the way that the market is. You're, gonna, you're always going to have those people that are going to take advantage of someone else's hard work and and pass something off it that it's not. We always see it. We see it every day. Um, but but I, I didn't mean, think, I think of it's, that part. It's still yeah. worth it. Yeah. It, well, it's what happened with the DBs years ago when we were bringing Diablo Blancos, like really nice high-end DBs. You know, we were getting three to 350 per gecko for those. And then mm-hmm. somebody decided, well, you know, the, the uh, Blazing Blizzards have the same looking eyes, so I'm just going to pass these off as DBs. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it kind of it kind of messed a lot of people's breeding projects up, and it, it it devalued those geckos completely. You know, you can't you can't sell a true DB for three fifty when you've got the next guy in the booth around the corner from you selling a blazing blizzard listed as a DB for fifty bucks. So I know. <clears throat> I mean, we see it, we see it with white and yellows now. People passing off stuff that they claim is white and yellow just because white and yellow was hot the past few years. People are just producing yeah. tanks with, you know, a little bit of high white siding. Oh, it's 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 a white and yellow. I'm going to put an extra zero on the end of it. Um, <laughs> you know, you see it. We always, you know, we all see it. The the thing is, is that don't that doesn't deter me from keeping, uh, you know, for keeping these projects going though, because I know what I'm doing to mine. I know what's in my genes, and uh, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I love. And and that's well, that's, you know that's the point that that, that some people don't get. Yeah. No, that's that's perfect you said that. And you know what? The real connoisseurs that really want the good stuff, these are the people that, you know, do their homework and everything. They'll they'll find yeah. you. They'll find and they'll figure oh. out where the good stuff is. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You know? 
Have you seen um how, how do you see the the leopard gecko market these days? What the what are your thoughts on things? Um, you know, I've, I didn't do a lot of sales towards the end of last year. It kind of, you know, it slowed down. But, you know, it's all cyclical. Um, I think I think the last two years we saw an influx of people trying to ride the train from the two years previous, you know, where everything was pretty nice mm-hmm. and new things were coming out and everybody was working with select projects and things like that. So I've seen those people kind of wash out and go yep. about their own thing. But then, you know, then, but, but I always like to see new people coming into it that actually have this, you know, this fire about it and that, that stick around. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think it's on the uptick right now. I think the market's on the uptick. Um, but, again, it's yeah, just so like too. the ball python market. It's like the boa market. It, it, it's just the people that stay in it the longest get to see these trends, you know. And I think it's yep. trending up right now. I think more people are getting involved in some of the, the nicer projects. But, you know, some of those animals that were, you know, three and three to $500 a couple of years ago are now in their price range. So they're able to play with those genes and work with them, you know. And those people have been excited to get these geckos for two or three years. Because I know, like, for me, whenever I first got my first radar, I waited, like, two or three years because I just couldn't produce one myself. It just didn't work. And I had to buy a visual, and then it opened up my eyes to this all these new possibilities. Well, I think that's that's what's happening right now. You have the people that are truly in it for the long run have gotten their hands on some really neat projects, and they're going to keep growing them. So I, I can see it going back up again over the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I've been seeing seeing it too. I mean, I, and a lot of people like – I mean, you're right about people now being able to afford things they've always wanted because there's people that are – I see them on Facebook all the time. I'm finally able to afford a pied wall python or, you know, mm-hmm. a, a white and yellow leopard gecko. And and I, I get it, man. I love seeing enthusiastic people. I wish we could keep more of them, though. It seems like, you know, out of every 100 new folks, you know, only like two or three will actually stick with it. Well, wall, I, though, right? You know, I, I, I think it's good. I think that's good and I think it's bad as well. It has its pros and cons. Um if you lose interest in something over six months or a year, then you really probably shouldn't be in the hobby to begin with because, like... Good point. You know, for me, like, we've talked for hours and hours and hours over just genetics, just random stuff before because <clears throat> we have the same kind oh, of yeah. fire and passion for what we do. It could be a normal that hatches out. I mean, I, I still get excited when I see a normal baby hatch out. But, you know, it, it's just those people that don't have that that drive then they probably shouldn't really be in the hobby. Mm-hmm. All of that, I, I see that happening. They, they're trying to find their niche. Um, and you know, then, then you have the other 20% that just get it because they think they're going to be millionaires next year. And that, you know, obviously that doesn't work. We're all broke. So, um, you know, I, I think weeding out, I think, I think weeding out that, that group of people, and it's not, they're not bad people. I'm not saying they're bad people, but it's just right, not right. for them. You know, because I have, yeah. like I said, I have 30 or 40 other species of stuff that I work with that, you know, I have pairs here and there and little small groups of things, but, you know, Leo, Leos have always been my thing, uh, and that'll never yeah. change. Yeah, when I when I got back into this uh, hardcore about seven, six and a half, seven years ago now, um, you know, I thought about, you know, well, what did I like, what did I like when I was a kid to work with? Because I've had just about everything, and uh well, I remembered my first breeding experience was with leopard geckos. Yeah. So I started looking into it, and I was just, oh, my God, I was blown away at how far it blown came. Blown away. I mean, yeah, I thought, yeah, exactly. 
I had seen the first albino and pattern list. I'd seen them in the pet stores and everything, but you know, I wasn't following it hardcore. And then I just started seeing everything and I'm like, Oh my God, I got to get into this. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then all my problems started from that point on. <laughs> yeah. It's an addiction, but you know, I don't want to cure. So I think we're all happy. Me neither. Is, so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, what's going on with your uh, Halloween projects? Are you are you breeding any pures? Pure Halloween masks? Yeah, you know I got some I got some pures. Oh God, I can't remember how long ago from Mike Eklund, uh, which I haven't seen him around or heard his name very much lately. But you know I got some of that stuff yeah, from him years ago, and and I, and I still have uh, I still have four from that original group that are you know from his mm-hmm. pure line that I use to cross into, it, it seems to do better with the Afghanicus than anything else just because of the bold markings and things like that. Um, but so, you know, I, I've got the uh, the Halloween period, the Halloween Afghan bolds um, have been a big hit. And then, you know, of course, I'm still breeding my pure stuff to keep that line going. Um, so I've got those four originals. I'll probably get eight or nine other um from that from that from that line that I used to outcross and to breed together, so uh, probably a total of about twenty animals in that project um, that, that you know that we've we've done really well with. But I, I we did some stuff with uh, uh, um, some emerine, just playing around with the genes here and there, but it just doesn't mm-hmm. do anything as well as what the uh, the uh, the Afghan does. The the Afghan and the Halloween. Again, for some reason that that combination, and then you know, of course, line breeding for the, the bold stripes, that combination just—it's something I like. You know, it may not be everybody's yeah. cup of tea, but it's something that it's something that I enjoy doing. And you know, you know, we we sell quite a few of those, and people seem to enjoy that stuff too. So, um, but we only breed for what we like anyway. If other people like it, it's a bonus, you know. And, and our projects are based on what what's pleasing to us. Like that's why we don't we hardly sell any snows because my wife doesn't want to let any snows go. But um, but you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's why we do it. Uh, it's it's just a bonus if other people like it and they want to buy our animals, um, you know. And 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 we're lucky enough to have you know met and and talked to some of the some of the you know, the best breeders in the in the U.S. about projects and you know, swapped projects here and there and, um, you know, work with lines together. So that's always fun. That, that's, that's, that's the point of all this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I think anything you, you mix with Halloween mask, if you do the right pairing, it, it just, it can be really cool. Like, you know, I do the Jen Snow Halloween mask to the bandits and these oh, things yeah. are like crazy yeah. looking. Yeah. The I bandit Halloween mask is, 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 is really neat too. Gives it a real thick, band across the nose and, and real bold pattern on the head and yeah it's it's, it's definitely uh it, it's really compatible like that so yeah and it stays well on into adulthood too which is really nice mm-hmm. yeah they're they're unmistakable i assume we have a caller on the line you want to take a call sean sure absolutely all right caller from the 630 area code you're live on Declamation radio caller you're there Six three zero area code. Going once, going twice. See ya. Scared them off. Well, you know they they have they're here. They have the question mark next to their numbers, so like they want to come on the air. But it's, it seems like, but hmm. that's all right. No big deal. Um. All right. Let's uh let's transition. 
Sean, what um, what made you think about starting your own reptile expo? Well, you know, I mean, we've we've ended uh, shows all over um, the southeast, and um, you know, my wife and I talked about it for a while, and and uh, we had a business partner going into it at first, and and it was just something that seemed at the time it was needed you know people were asking for a different show they were asking for a different experience and there's a lot of shows in texas so we we caught a lot of flack for doing it but it took us about two years to 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 come to fruition on the first show that we did um and it's Mm -hmm. you know we we've changed a lot of processes since then and we've we've um we've learned from past mistakes and we've moved around but for me, it was looking at it from a vendor's perspective. Uh, what would a vendor want a show promoter to do? What kind of venue would they want to vend at? What kind of clientele would they want coming in? What what people do they want coming in? You know, what other vendors do they want around them? And so we kind of brainstormed and put it together, and you know, emptied our bank accounts and threw everything against the wall, and and you know, it was a, it was a, our first show was 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 amazing. It was great. It was. It was insane. It was stressful and, and crazy, but you know, it was it was fun at the same time. So, in that that first show, we Lori actually was a vendor there. We decided that we were going to vend our own show, and we'll never do that again. It was just too much to do. Um, so, but that, but that was that was the whole thing was trying to put on something different where me as a vendor, I could talk to the other vendors to get them to do the shows, and I understand. You know how we 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 tried to take an understanding of how to market the shows differently, how to bring the new age into the old school way of doing shows. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there there's there's big shows, there's small shows, and we're kind of in the middle. Um, you know, we some of our shows are, are fairly large, and some sm- shows are smaller. Uh, we have less vendors and things like that. It depends on the location, but but that was the whole point was to try to do something a little different and and just expanded from there. Um, but we we get asked to do shows with all over the place, but it's just to the point where there's there's too many shows in Texas. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm putting on a lot of those shows in Texas. But I'll be the first one to tell you there are too many shows in Texas. <clears throat> but I've been lucky enough to be able to work with another show promoter up here in Dallas, um, uh, Malia and Otis Pierce. Some a lot of some of the listeners might not know them, but some may. Um, Pet Snake Snacks, they put on a show in Dallas five times a year in Arlington, and they're one of the people that gave us our first start. We started doing their show first. Uh, they're just really good people, but we actually work together to help promote people coming, new people coming into the hobby. Um, most of the old way of doing a reptile show was to have everyone fill out a registration form at the door, and then two weeks before your next show, send out an email to those same people. Well, mm-hmm. you get to a point where those same people either stop coming, they get too many animals, they're filled up, they lose interest, whatever, and so you have to bring new people into our hobby. And that's part of why we do a huge educational area and things like that because we want people to come in and be buyers. That's what you want at a reptile show. The people that are vending are paying you and they're putting – their business in your hands to bring in people that are going to spend money at their tables. But you want to bring right. in new people too. You want to bring in those new people and educate them and show them something they've never seen before and, and you know, get them interested in the hobby because the next show they'll buy. That's but along right. the way they'll tell they'll tell ten people who will tell ten people who will tell ten people about their experience. 
So you want yep. it to be, you know, a nice venue, a good educational area, vendors that actually care and take care of their animals, clean displays, and you want everybody to have a good time. And so that's what we've done. And we keep adapting and we keep changing and adding and, you know, so, um, you know, that's that's kind of why the, the New Orleans thing came up, um, which is that, that's the show we're doing next weekend. Um, there used to be a show there. Uh, eight or nine years ago, that was a really good show. It's actually the same location, uh, and something happened with the, the guys that were running it. Uh, I think one got sick, um, and they stopped doing it. And there hasn't been a big show there in a while, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. we decided, you know, give let's give it a shot and see. And and the uh, it's been overwhelming. Um, the vendors there have wanted a show like that, and they've. I mean, even some of the vendors are paying for paying for ads on Facebook. Um, which is unheard of for me. You know, I've never seen that before at a Texas show. Uh, but the yeah. vendors are actually sponsoring ads and paying for ads. And, you know, and it's it's about getting the word out uh, and letting people know. And, um, you know, we if we get stale in our hobby, then, you know, who's going to take it over? Um, we we want to keep people going. And so, you know, the the show is there for people to sell their animals, but they get to talk to the breeders, things like that you're getting people interested in in the hobby and it just keeps growing our community. Um and we need that, especially Absolutely. with all of the legislation going on and things like that that are against private ownership of of exotics. The more people we have on our side, the better chance we have of getting these laws and things like that overturned that, you know, prohibit us from keeping these animals. Um so there's not there's not just one goal just to hey, I'm gonna come in and set up and you know, make money at the door. That's not what it's about. We're, no, we want the vendors to make money. Oh yeah, we yeah, want the vendors to make money, but but we still want to educate and we still want to bring new people in. And so you know, so far it's been it's it's been successful. That's 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 been our goal from the beginning. And they're they're getting bigger and the shows are getting better. And you know, we're learning and we've got a some you know, like I said, some promoters here with twenty plus years in, in, you know doing shows that we've leaned on and then we've you know showed them some new ideas. So. Um, it's all about helping each other. Well, you know, Sean, I, I posted about the show in the group. Um, I asked for some questions, and we definitely got some good questions I'm going to hit you with about, about shows tonight. Um, yeah. Before I do that, though, I see another caller popped on the line. You want to take a call real quick? Yeah, sure, absolutely. All right. Uh, let's see. Caller from the 732 area code. You are live on oh. Gecko Nation Radio. Hello? Hello? Hello, caller. Yes. Hello, hello. This, uh, the, hello. This is one BG. I calling for Tim. 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 No, Tim. I call. I call. I calling for Tim to three two weeks and no answer. I called long time ago. He helped me with this a uh, cricket problem. I get the worms and they no more. Brr, brr. They everything is fine now, but I have. New problem. My grandson loves these geckos, and he want, he want, he want, he want this toke gecko. So I say, oh, toke gecko, okay, toke. But I don't think. Uh, so I think maybe so, okay, gecko. This gecko is no okay. This gecko is. He says <laughs> okay, but I don't think this gecko's okay. He biting. He jumping, jumping up in my chest. He. Bite, bite my lip, and is dripping with blood. 
and the, I tell him this, no, okay. This gecko is no, no, call this gecko okay. It's no, it's okay. Maybe one, not okay gecko. I want one team tell me for fix this uh, gecko is so strong. By sometimes my wife is she happy because no more. Brr, brr, but uh, now new one animal and he did my grandson Maja. He wants more and he talking about this night glow. He's go you call Tim there tonight. Uh, you call for him his night glow reptile. I don't say yeah yeah guy. I don't know. Can you help him? Yeah, I wonder. What, yeah, I wonder which one of our friends this is that's calling in. That that their crickets stop going. Because uh, what you like? What No, he don't want no friends. No, he wants no nothing for the friends, Maja. No, no, uh No more. BG, BG called in. This guy called in a couple months ago. He was having trouble with crickets keeping him up all night. Right? Is that right? What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to my grandson now, yelling at him. He may he say, "You call, you call." Oh, it's so funny. You call. You now. You I hear you on the phone. The phone. You. I didn't know you. You really calling now. He's in the bedroom saying, "Oh, well, grandfather, so funny." Ah, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, not so funny when I make a turkey goat instead of curry goat. I make a turkey turkey goat. That's funny. Oh, I I want him. This is no one. I, I go. I like. I look at this nightclub, but I'm not. Nah, forget. No, but I'm not I want him. I want him. I. But bye bye. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I guess that. Oh. I don't know if we. I don't think it's possible to help that guy, Sean. I don't know. No. No, his crickets stopped going. So they're probably not alive anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, no, well, I'm sorry about that. Everyone's oh, in a while no, that this guy calls in. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew who it was. Oh, it, the guy's, the guy's hilarious. Oh, it, I guarantee you it's somebody we know. <laughs> that, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, all right, crap. let's let's get, let's get back on track here. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Radio Watch I put like I was saying before I took the call. Um, we got some good feedback in the group, but good questions. <clears throat> uh, Ray Autry asks, uh, "Why are some Texas expos are hot and why some are not?" I don't know if he's referring to venomous animals or if he's yeah. referring to as hot. Is it is that what he is? Okay. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, with that? he's talking about venomous. Well, it, it depends on the regulations of each um, city, county, um, and and that's what. That's what a lot of us run into. Like we, we trialed out. We um, the Conroe show uh, this this last show. We uh, we did a trial run for venomous because it's allowed, um, and that's just because it's outside of city limits. It's a government-owned building, and they don't have any regulations against keeping or selling venomous at that location. Uh, it's the same way in some areas with the big snakes like berms, retics, the anacondas, rock pythons, things like that. Um, it it it's all comes down to where the venue is at and what what regulations are in place for the animal control has the laws pertaining to the city and the county um and it, you won't see a lot of the the thing is when you're trying to do an expo you're trying to get it towards the population centers uh because you get more visibility mm-hmm. there 
Um, and mm-hmm. that's part of the problem, and that's why you won't see as many hot shows is because when you get closer to a denser population center, then the regulations get more strict. And um, like, for instance, in Jefferson Parish, where we're doing the Louisiana, the, the New Orleans show, there's no venomous, there's no berms, there's no retics, there's no anacondas, uh, no rock pythons. All that is prohibited. It's considered contraband. You can't even drive through that parish with those animals in your vehicle. Uh, if you get pulled over, wow. they're confiscated from you. So it, it all comes down to the laws in each city. Um, and, you know, and, and some of those laws are in place for good reason, but, you know, the others we don't we don't agree with, and, and that's what we've tried to get going with Texarc, um, you know, trying to, to get some of those laws changed. But uh, I don't think you'll ever see it where, uh, you know, there, there's some areas like Austin, they're a little more lax about it. Like you can be in – there's certain parts of Austin you can be inside the city limits and, and keep venomous. Uh, and it, it mm-hmm. also comes down to permitting. You know, um, if you're in certain areas with with certain venomous snakes, you have to have certain permits and things like that. But uh, our Conroe show, the the venomous part of it was a small section, but the vendors did really really well. Uh, we had some uh, some breeders that came in that really knew their stuff, and I trusted, uh, and it went off really well. Uh, the people coming through the door, we had liability waivers at the door and things like that, and and not a single person flinched at it. Uh, it's interesting for them to be able to see something that close, you know, not behind four inches of glass at a zoo, um, yeah. that you never will see. You know, you'll never see uh, in the wild. You know, these are you know the Asian cobras and things like that. So, but, but you know, Ray Ray had a good question because that's you know, it, it, and I think it's probably that way in most states. It just depends on what the animal regulations are, and you have to. You have to go along those guidelines when you're looking for a venue or, or planning a show. Um, so that's what it breaks down mm-hmm. to. All right. Um, well, that makes sense. And uh, Gerard uh, Gari asks, uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes that vendors have made uh, at your shows that drive you crazy, I guess? <laughs> um, biggest mistakes vendors have done... Um, we have we have run across issues where people have imported animals that were brought like directly from the airport, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't give those animals time to acclimate, get treated. Um, you, you don't know if they're carrying parasites or anything like that. Uh, so you know, yeah. we've had a couple of people that have done that, and you know, they've. But it's been corrected and, and moved on. Um, we did have a uh, going back to the venomous thing. We did have a venomous vendor that uh, our, our rule is that you have to be escorted out once you purchase a venomous animal. It stays with the vendor until you're ready to leave the premise. And uh, we had one vendor that yeah, yeah we we had one vendor that um, kind of had a, a brain lapse and, and let a friend of his walk out with a with a gaboon viper. Now, he was headed towards the door, but still, we actually have a person that's designated to escort and carry the animal out. So that was something that happened. You know, it was the first show, so it was it was to be expected, something like that happening. But, of course, the animal was secure and taped up and all that stuff and in a bag, but it's still it's just against our regulations. But most of the vendors that we have at our shows, we know personally. Um, it's a little different going into like a different market like Louisiana where we're not as familiar with those guys. I mean, some of those guys I see at shows and we talk to them. Um, so, and most of these guys are professional. If they've been doing this for a long time, 
that you hardly see any mistakes. Um, every once in a while you'll get somebody who doesn't secure a lid on a deli or something, like on a ball python. They put too big of an animal in too small of a cup. And then we spend, you know, 30 minutes in the morning, Sunday morning, looking for an escape ball python. That's usually the biggest thing that goes on at reptile shows. So I think uh, we've only had a couple of shows where nothing has escaped. But um, And then they're usually either in a box under their table or over at our rodent vendor's table filling themselves up on, on live feeders. That usually happens too. Um, but <laughs> like with, that's funny. Yeah. That, that, that's usually where we find them. Uh, that's that's usually where we find them at the at the rat table. So so everything but, um, that ever escaped you found so far. Everything that we have escaped at any one of our shows has been found. Um, we th- we had a ball python that got off somebody's table at, at the last in the RBC. I mean, it just happens. It, it's something that it you know whenever they're showing their animals off, um, they forget to tape the lid at the end of the night when they're packing up. You know, something like that. It's it's small, but you know, again, it's something that you have to be cognizant of. Now, with our venomous, everybody that's there with venomous, all the all the delis are taped, but they also go into locked enclosures like acrylic boxes uh, before they can leave as well. Uh, if they leave everything, if they leave anything overnight, so that's like a double security thing for that. But but we do walkthroughs every morning. We get there half an hour to an hour before the vendors even get there, and we walk through and look at everything and. Usually if something's out, you'll see a couple of table lights knocked over or you know, a deli cup on the floor or something like that. I know uh, Mike Matson did our first Conroe show, uh, Mike Fat Frogs. Uh, uh, he came from California to do our first show, and he left some uh, pixie frogs or something in deli cups on his table. And we came in, and there were deli cups spread everywhere. The, the frogs were still in the cups, but they were jumping so hard against the side that they knocked themselves off the tables, and they were sliding across the floor. It was pretty hilarious. Um, oh my God! You know, it, <laughs> yeah, but but nothing major. I mean, nothing nothing crazy or anything like that. I mean, most like I said, most of these guys are have been doing it for a while, so they know. We did have a we did have a really high end lychee get out uh, uh, at our October Conroe show, um, and uh, it was missing from Saturday until Sunday during breakdown, and one of the vendors found it underneath its table. I mean, this was a full grown pure GT locale lychee. Got out of a deli cup, and uh, we found it Sunday though. So that was that wow. would have been an expensive loss right there. But so everything everything has gotten out. We found. What about theft? Um, I've been that. Uh, I'm no stranger to vending myself, and um, I've always you know seen at least one per show. I mean, at least in New York, you know, somebody maybe not once per show, but once every other show, somebody has something yeah. stolen or, or lifted. What we, happens? Would, would that, that happen? We have we well we, it has happened and and luckily so far as far as we know every single person that's been stolen has stolen something has been caught. Um, my brother okay. and my nephew work security. We also have off-duty police officers that work uh, security at all of our events. And our very mm-hmm. first Conroe show, I don't know if you know Sean Bradley of Exotics by Nature. Um, this Sounds couple familiar. came in. Yeah, this couple came in and. One of the other vendors that owns a reptile shop said, hey, I recognize them. They've stolen from my store before. So my brother kind of tailed them around, and sure enough, like the second table they came to, the guy grabs a rainbow boa off Sean's table, hands it to his wife, and she heads for the door. And I caught her at the front door, and they were arrested. Well, they came back to the very next show. They got out of jail and came back, and as soon as they walked in, the same police officer was there, and he 
basically threw them back out. Uh, we did have one guy that, that, that stole something off of another vendor's table, but a, a, a different vendor across the aisle saw him do it and almost tackled the guy. Um, so everybody kind of watches out for it, and we posted the videos on YouTube of the people getting arrested and things like that. And I mean, you can't, you can try as, as much as you can to keep that, you know, limited. Um, luckily, we haven't had a big issue with it. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't had people coming to me saying, "Hey, I'm missing this and this and this." Um, but we also are uh, we're doing sold stickers now on our on our tubs, so. Anybody that all of our vendors will get these stickers that they sold on them, um, and it's something that ETHS has done for years, and we decided to adopt it. And when you come out the door, we have an off-duty police officer at the door that checks and makes sure everything has those those stickers on it. So that helps keep it going. Yeah. Well. <clears throat> well, that's good. I mean, I, I I remember when I was a kid, and uh, we used to go to the well, the Pottstown, Pennsylvania show was always a big one. And uh, we'd always hear stories about people stealing stuff and whatever, and I don't know. Well, I've had I've, just... had I've had stuff stolen off my table at, at the big shows before. Uh, you know, I've yeah. had those come up missing at, at shows here and there. And, you know, and it's probably been three or four total in as long as I've been vending. But you notice it. You know, when something is missing, you're like, oh crap, somebody walked up. And I and you know, we watch the people too. I mean, we watch people coming in and out. You can. You can tell if they're in a hurry or what's going on, but uh, we try to curb as much as we can, and um, and it's good that the other vendors will look out for you know their their fellow vendor too. Um, you know everybody kind of helps each other. Everybody knows why we're doing it. So, well nowadays we we can. Um, I was thinking of putting little cameras up around my table. I mean that wouldn't be that oh, hard yeah. to do. Is that allowed? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I would. I would never have a problem with that. You know, uh, those little cameras are are so inexpensive now. Uh, and you could just run yeah. them with a micro SD now. I mean, you can get you know hundreds of hours on one little SD card on one little micro cam now. So technology is advanced to the to the point where that'd be you know. I, I mean, I don't think anybody would have a problem with it. People are going to be starting to. I mean, it, it's already happening. There's cameras everywhere. I mean, crime is going down everywhere because of this. And oh yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think it's, I don't know, it's a double-edged sword, of course. You know, you give up privacy for, you know, the sense of security, but I don't know. I mean, if if I'm getting, you know, jumped, I'm going to be happy that there was a camera at that intersection. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, well, uh, you know what, and you, you, you could even go as far as putting one of those fake cameras up, a visible hmm. you know, that looks real. That's just the turn in itself. A little blinking red light on it. I mean, nobody's yep. going to walk up knowingly and see that camera and think it's not real and, and decide they're going to steal something off your table. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that's a, that's actually yeah you know, something I never even thought about. <clears throat> I went I went a little crazy and I built I built these uh, uh, these display cases. I hand I handmade them. They're plastic glass tops, but they're basically just you know four inch deep. Uh, cases that can hold a certain amount of deli cups in there, and yeah, and, you know, it, the only problem I was having with it is they were because of the plexiglass, and then the deli cups on the inside, there was a glare that kind of took away from the beauty of the geckos, and you couldn't always see the prices because the the lights would reflect on it. And I tried to angle it just right, and I could never get it right, and um, it really frustrated the hell out of me. <laughs> but. uh you know, your presentation at a reptile show is everything. I mean, if you don't look professional, if you don't, if people can't clearly see the prices and the morph and everything, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's very it's very easy for a person to lose interest and just move on to the next guy. And you Absolutely. know, if you're a seller there, yeah, I mean, we could talk about it a little bit from the seller's perspective because I'm sure there's folks listening tonight that are thinking about vending at a reptile show, and you know, yeah. we could talk a little bit about do's and don'ts if you want. Um, yeah, absolutely. I start, yeah, I mean, I can. You and I both can talk about that. We both have experience in it. Um, yep. What do you What do you suggest for someone that's thinking, that's listening right now, that's thinking, you know, I may want to, I'm going to have a crap ton of babies next this season. I may want to go to the the Houston show and uh, and vent. What what, do you, what would you tell them? Well, you know, you don't have to go crazy expensive. I mean, most people you'll see will have all these acrylics. Like, I've got an old set of acrylics that I hardly even use anymore, but, you know, you don't have to go insanely uh, crazy on that. Uh, A nice, dark table cover always works. Uh, My wife switched us all to purple now. We used to have black, but everything's purple. So we have purple table covers or black table covers. Um, And you can actually go get, I mean, you can go get um, uh, drapes or sheets, you know, these these, uh, non-wrinkle sheets that are like this sheer metallic-looking stuff, that's perfectly fine for a first table cover. You don't have to go out and get your logo monogrammed on it if you don't want to. Uh, And always when you'd ever, if you're using deli cups, use a larger size than you would if you were shipping. You want the animal to be able to move around and be displayed properly and use a contrasting color on your bedding. Uh, Some people use the Reptiliners. Uh, honestly, I've always used uh, Carefresh. I use purple Carefresh because most of our geckos are, are, are snows or the bright orange or, you know, the, the tangerines and the red striped emeralds. All this color just pops on a contrasting color. And then mm-hmm. always use, um, if you're going to use acrylics, what I would suggest if you're worried about the glare uh, is use LED lighting strips inside the acrylics. Uh, it'll light up the front of your, oh. it'll light up your, it'll light yeah. up your cups or your animals but it won't produce a glare over the top. So it's like backlit mm. or underlit. Um, that's a good one. And then use, um, if you want to, if you're using acrylics, get you some uh, wet erase markers, uh, neon colors, high contrast colors again, like oranges and yellows and greens and blues and reds and things like that, something that's eye-catching. Uh, and then if you're using just deli cups, Get label maker. Get a, just, just go buy a cheap brother P Touch label maker. And what we do is we do all of our females are pink labels with white with white uh, letters, and all of our males used to be blue. Now we're into green, but they're green with white lettering. So it's separated male and female on our table, and the labels are pink and green. So it's male and female. Um, so it's just about. It's about presentation looking professional. If you walk up to a table and somebody's got a bunch of deli cups just all scattered around with no lighting on a piece of white table with no cover and they have drawn or written everything in hand, by hand on in Sharpie, that means mm-hmm. that they're rushing and they're not paying attention to what they're doing or they don't put enough effort or care into it to you know, make it look professional. I'm going to buy right. from the person who spent the time to make the label for each individual animal, who has them sexed properly, whose display looks good, because that means that that's how they keep everything else. To me, that's just personal. No, that's true, usually. Uh, But then there's a flip side to that, because I know a few eccentric uh, groups and breeders that come to the show with some of the most badass animals you've ever seen in your life, and Mm -hmm. they're kind of, they feel that they're, they don't need to do all that because their animals yeah. are the exhibit. Speak for and themselves. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I see that side. I see that side too. But as a consumer, 
that animal may be badass and it may be a couple hundred dollars less or more, but as a consumer, something that they may not even stop by that table because it, right. if, it, if it doesn't look puppy. So it's not just that particular animal in the cup. It's how the table and how the booth looks. Good signage, things like that. Get a banner. Invest in a banner if you're going to start vending. Get a banner. Get a nice, yeah. bright, high contrast, really nice logo, the whole nine yards, all your info with your Facebook page. Get a banner because it draws people's attention to your booth. And That's so that right. that old school Herper guy may have some crazy animals, but I guarantee you less people are going to stop by there because it doesn't look as organized as the person on the other side. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I'm kind of um, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I I well, I mean, I always made a good display for myself, but um, there there's I always was thinking, see, you know what? Because I'm such a perfectionist about things, whenever I can't do do it right, it kind of bothers me. So it like, bothers you. Yeah. Like I was, <laughs> you know, like I I like. I, my presentation was always great, don't get me wrong, but in the back of my head, I'm like, wow, I could have done a little more there, I could have did that, and it, and even though my display looks better than a lot of other people, uh, it would still you know, it drive me crazy. You. Oh, yeah, I've had, I've had to yeah. do shows before where I've run out of my label tape and they didn't have it where I was going, and, and I've had to actually, well, I didn't do it, I let my wife do it because my handwriting sucks, but I my wife's had to write in pink or blue marker, the morph and the ID number and everything on our gecko cups. but And that also takes up more space. And that's my thing also. With the, it's not just about writing on Sharpie across your deli cup or writing in, in marker against on your deli cup. It's the labels are small, they're clear, everybody can read it, and it take, doesn't take up as much space on your cup so you can actually see the animal. And if you're going to vend, take the animal out and hand it to the person. That will sell an animal over just looking at it through a cup. If somebody's leaning over looking at a thing and they want to take a picture of it, take the gecko out and say, here, use some sanitizer, hold the animal. That's what that's what bonds somebody to an animal. When they can actually physically feel it, see how it's going to be, see how it's going to interact with them, that's going to sell an animal. And if you're sitting behind that's your table point. on your phone or not talking to people, if you ever come to a show where I'm vending, I'd never sit down. Never once. My wife will sit behind the table. I'm never sitting. I'm always out front talking to people. I'm asking them to hold a gecko. I'm I'm explaining genetics. And we've all been there where we spend an hour and a half with somebody explaining everything you can that you can think of about Leos, and then they come around the corner with a $15 gecko from another vendor and show it to you. You know, that's going to happen. Don't get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, it's going to happen to every that? single person. It, it, you know, but it's part of it. Uh, it, it's frustrating at the time, but those people yeah. are usually the ones that call me a week later and say, hey, I'm having problems with this gecko. And I'll spend yeah, another hour explaining how to fix it. Well, whenever they decide to buy their next gecko, guess who they come to? They come back to me. So it's mm-hmm. all about selling your product, but you have to sell yourself too. You have to be able be willing to put up with some of that stuff to to make you know, but you're not just selling; you're helping those people too. You're getting them involved in it. Um, so you just have to you have to be diligent. It's it's something that we've all faced. That's been it. It's it's inevitable. You're going to face it, and it is frustrating. Well, I, I got to be honest with you, Sean. I mean, I'm I'm actually learning a few things from you tonight because I'm a bit of an introverted person, and unfortunately, in large crowds. I tend to have anxiety, like I feel claustrophobic, mm-hmm. and it kind of freaks yeah. me out. And reptile shows, 
if I'm vending, if I'm walking around, I'm usually okay because I'm moving. But if I'm stuck vending yeah. and there's and it's hot in there and there's a thousand people, I, I'm yeah. like I'm having anxiety all day long, and it's really hard for me to be that type of person where I take the gecko out and be talking to people and everything because usually I'm sweating and I'm nervous and I, I want to get out of there because <laughs> like you yeah. know I can't breathe. And for well, someone yeah, like me, it's people- a little tough. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I understand that completely. Um, you know, and, and I'm lucky enough that my wife will do it too. If I, you know, she she doesn't like to be out in front of everybody, but but she loves the geckos, and and she's the one that she's the one that will pull out a gecko and show it to somebody. So, you know, my my suggestion is if you if you are like that, like I had a couple of people that were like that that are friends of ours that are trying to get into breeding and trying to do shows. I had them come work at my table. I, I let them work my table for a couple of shows just to see how crazy it can get. Um, yeah. And, you know, you've got this person asking questions, this person wants to hold a gecko, this person wants to give you money, and you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's a little insane, but <clears throat> I always suggest if you, if you have that problem, if, if you are feeling like that, take somebody with you that isn't like that. Take somebody that's your opposite. Yeah, take usually, somebody who's outgoing. Have, have them, have yeah, them bring the people to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim's been vending with me in New York. Uh, I missed the last couple of shows, but he's he would vend with me, and he's the exact opposite. He he is the guy that takes the geckos out and lets people hold them. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, when he comes, he splits half my table, so he's showing them his geckos and not mine. His geckos. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, but he can't blame him for that because he's got to sell his too or whatever. Well, you um, know, and but, and that brings that brings up a good point, though. Honestly, what you're saying, if somebody is interested in vending and they're going to have 20 or 30 babies, find somebody that vends these shows that you trust that you've known for a while and see if you can go sit with them in a show, take a few of your animals. More than likely, the the person is going to let you do it because I've done it. I've done it for a lot of people. And now I'm oh, yeah. I've, table, I've and that been person able to sell has... like a quarter of my table, not even half. Yeah. I've sold a couple of people just a quarter. They only had a few things to sell, you know. Yeah, but it's but it's a good experience to be behind the table. It's it's a different it's a different experience from walking around a reptile show from than sitting behind the table because oh, walking around the reptile huge, show huge you can you can go and you can go and do whatever you want and you know go get a drink of water go to the restroom Well, you're at a show and it's packed and it's just nonstop you may not be able to go to the restroom for three four five hours you you have yeah, to have somebody you gotta go bring get you somebody food. with you oh yeah, yeah you have to. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't sit there all day long and expect to, like, not have to go to the bathroom, not be hungry. I mean, sooner or later, you're going to have to leave your table. And if your cases don't lock up, or if you've got deli cups all over the table that you have to watch. Yep. Oh, here's 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 a big here's a big uh, relief that I can give to people, new vendors. All right, check it out. If you're going there and you're going to have deli cups across your table from front to back, and you're by yourself and you got to watch those cups all day long with people hovering around and asking questions, you're going to be a nervous wreck w- w- watching all those cups. Sooner or yep. later, I, I seriously would invest in some way to either string those cups together using fishing line or something. So if somebody tries to walk away with them, they all go. Or get that deer netting that you could put over them. Or invest in some cases where the deli cups themselves flip into slots. Because I think yeah. those are the best cases. But yeah, that, I, have, I have one of those that's homemade. It's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's great peace of mind in knowing that you don't have to worry about somebody walking away with 
your hard work or, you know, because yeah. we put a lot into these animals. We really do. I don't oh, care yeah. what you're selling your geckos for, but a lot of people out there are taking a loss on them. But a lot of us have made big investments in these animals. And, oh, yeah. you know, to, to lose, even if you're selling it for 100 bucks for that gecko to get stolen off your table, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a piece of your heart. <laughs> yeah, it's heartbreaking. It is it's heartbreaking. Uh, you know, you've, you've raised that gecko out of the egg and fed it every day, and, you know, you've watched it grow and watched it change and take pictures of it, and then in a snap it's gone. <clears throat> so, you know, like I said, we've only had a, <clears throat> we only had three or four instances where that's happened, uh, and it, it mm-hmm. sucks. But, again, it's one of the, it's one of the evils of, of doing this, you know. It's, it's one of the, the, the cons of doing it. You have to, uh, you have to kind of prepare yourself now for it. Um, but... Uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I know that some people, some of the bigger vendors, like when Triple L comes into town, they'll build, do all the netting and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, and the netting's okay if you are if you have a lot of tables. But for me, it kind of puts a barrier between you and the animal. And, oh, and yeah, that's one like thing it. I like I about like Leo's. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why I like the Leo's because it's something you can interact with. Uh, it's something that, you know, when you bring a kid up to your table that's never held one, just when they, their eyes light up when you first put it in their hand, that's, that's the fun part of doing a show. So don't let that dissuade you from trying to vend. Uh, I think everyone that, that breeds and produces a significant number of animals should at least vend a show and see how it goes, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, check this out. We have a call on the line. Um, I, th- I figure we'll take this call, and then I have a – why don't we talk a little bit about, from the buyer's perspective, uh, Sean, and, like, like uh, expo etiquette, so to speak. And we'll talk okay, a little bit yeah. about that, like what vendors like to see and, you know, from customers and, you know, good behavior at a reptile show because that's, that's important too. But let's take this yeah. call. Caller from the 570 area code. You're live on Declination Radio. Hey, Dave. Hey, Sean. Hey, hey everyone. Who's this? Uh, Dominic. Oh, hey, Dominic. What's up, bud? How's it going, man? Good. I was curious on what size table cover goes on the table typically well most most tables at most shows are going to be eight foot um some vendors or some promoters use six foot tables um all of our shows are eight foot tables so what we've done um we get the uh their 96 inch long drapes uh, and they actually will cover down the sides and down the front uh, of the table uh, so that's 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 the size we use, uh, and it seems to work work just fine. Um, you don't really have to worry about as much on the uh, the back side as long as it doesn't slide forward. If you have all your displays and everything up there, um, then you always want to bring an extra cover too. Like when we leave our animals at a, at a reptile expo, we always bring another table cover or sheet or whatever, and we just cover it up. But um, a king size sheet, just just <laughs> FYI, a king size sheet will cover an eight foot table. Just, just letting, letting you know. Just putting that out there. <laughs> okay. Um, have you ever smacked someone upside the head when they steal from somebody? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it, it's it's tempting. Like I said, that other that one, the one vendor at our show almost tackled the guy. Uh, got in his face. It almost came to blows. But, but lucky, luckily enough, we have our uh, like I said, we have our off-duty police officers there. But as far as anyone still at my show, you uh, saw something from my table. The problem is, is I've never caught them. It's always been too late. Um, and then ha- going to a show promoter and telling them something's missing when you have a thousand people in a room, 
it's 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 nearly impossible to find out who that person was. You won't see them. Um, a lot of times they'll come up and they'll have a deli cup in their hand of something they bought. They'll set it down on your table on top of one of your deli cups and pick up both and walk off. They'll never see it coming. Uh, have, you ever, so, have you ever thought about putting um, a scanner bar on the thing and have um, those beeper things at the door so if you could scan them at the table? Yeah, I think I think it'd be a little cost prohibitive. Uh, you're talking several several thousands of dollars for one of those. But I think going with the sales stickers or the sold stickers, that's that's kind of the 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 most inexpensive way to do it right now. But you know, David brought up the camera thing too. I, I think that's probably a, another good idea. You you don't see it a lot anymore though. Um, that's the thing. Um, I think once the word gets out that you go to jail. If you take an animal off the table, if it's a $25 animal, it's still theft. Um, yeah. It's felony theft. So uh, I think that deterrent alone has kind of curtailed some of the, 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 the theft issues that have been happening. You don't really hear about it as much anymore. Um, you know, years ago, I heard about it all the time. And I think with, you know, having off duty police officers there and security roaming around all the time and then the vendors actually sticking up for each other. Uh, I think that's kind of been a deterrent in itself. Yeah, but like Dominic, like I said, like I said though, um, if you can create a situation where you don't have to constantly worry about if your stuff is going to get stolen, if you have a nice display case that your stuff goes in, yeah. trust me, man, that's like that's huge. That's like such a relief off of your mind. You can actually well, feel a lot that's, more that's happier what... about being there. Yeah, the, the the ARS um acrylics that have locking the locking slides that lock all yeah. of the, the, the lids, those things are perfect because you have a master key. And you can't open those things without using that key. So, you know, people that have higher end animals, um, you know, I think that's 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 the way to go. And that's where a lot of people are going. The acrylics are becoming more and more expensive or, or less and less expensive. They're becoming more available now. Um, and usually what happens is whenever these guys that are expanding their breeding and, and starting to do bigger shows, they invest in a lot of new acrylics, and those things pop up on Craigslist, on Facebook, on Fauna, all the time, selling those things inexpensive. You know, you get them for about half the price you would as if they were new. Uh, yeah. So th- those are probably the best theft deterrent out there right now just because, you know, you've got a bank of acrylic displays that are, you know, it's got 10 uh, sections in it, but you have to have one key to unlock it, and you can't unlock it. And a lot of these ball python guys use those. They they keep everything locked up, you know, the whole time. Hey, Dominic, I may be selling my old display cases. Uh, maybe something you might be interested in. Yeah, you can uh, send me some pictures on Facebook. There you yeah. go. Yeah, no problem. I'll do that. Um, have you ever thought questions? of putting... Yeah, have you ever thought of putting a heavy-duty Velcro under your deli cup so if someone does try to steal it, it's going to be more difficult and it would take the sheet with it and you'll be able to tell or it'll make a loud, you know, Velcro sound when you pull it off? Yeah, there's there's something... That's actually not a bad idea. The only problem is is that... This is why I see. You could do strips, and I think that would work. Um, I don't don't think it would be that big of a deal uh, to do. Uh, it just depends on what your layout is, because you know, as the as you as you add more animals or reduce animals, then you know you've got to move stuff around. But but I, I think that's a good idea actually. Um, you know, run strips of Velcro spaced out on your on your cover, and then have you know a little piece of Velcro 
like glued to the bottom of your deli cups, and you know, I, I don't see a problem there at all. Yeah. But again, but again, when you've got 15 people at your table, and they're all picking up geckos and looking at them, and you're picking up geckos, uh, it gets kind of lost in the shuffle there. Yeah. yeah, and and sometimes these these thieves are pretty smart. Like they'll have one guy start asking you a lot of questions and distract you on this end, while yep. somebody else is on the other end pocketing stuff. So, oh yeah, know, kinda, absolutely. It's, that's it's that's really another reason it's always that's another reason it's always have good to have at least two people there, even if you have a small table. Yeah. You know, have someone yeah. there with you. Yeah, and if you yeah. have locking cases, you can get up and go to the bathroom if you got it, or you know, yeah, yeah, you can have you can ask your neighbor to watch your table. Yeah, you can ask your neighbor to yeah. watch your table and wander off and not have to worry about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it can be stressful at a, at a show. I'll, I'll tell you, man. And, well, you know, it, it, it can be fun, too. Don't get me wrong. But you're there yeah. to sell and make money because you're paying for that table. You, you drove all the way out there. You were up two days ahead of time packing up all these animals. Believe me, yeah. you're there to make money. I mean, it's great to meet everybody and socialize with other Vendors, but at the end of the day, you want to at least at least break even for what for your expenses. Yeah. And oh, absolutely. You know, but you want to make money too, so that's the whole point. Yeah. Really. Are there I mean, any rules? Funny. Are there any What's rules that? or regulations at a reptile expo for vending? Uh, it just yeah, depends like, on. Think, it depends on. Like I say, it goes back kind of the venomous thing. It depends on the regulations of the city or the county that the expo is being held in. Um, I, I try to post all that stuff up before the show to let people know what they can and can't bring. And a lot of a lot of the reptile expos now, uh, which we've adopted this practice too, won't let you bring in outside animals. Um, it's you know it's becoming an issue where uh, it, it, in the beginning it was fine one or two people would bring in their pet bearded dragon or you know their boa around their neck because they thought it was cool, but you you risk the the spread of disease and parasites and things like that. Um, but yeah. as far as as far as vending um, in each state is a little different too. Like it, this goes to with taxes. Um, in Texas, you have to have a a, a, a state sales tax ID, uh, and it's not for the benefit of the promoter. It's for the benefit of the vendor because if they get audited, uh, if a controller walks through, you have to have that. You have to produce it uh, at the show. Yep. Um, yep. And you have to file your quarterly state taxes and things like that. And each state well, is going to have, have a different policy. in New York. You gotta have that for yeah, the PA in, show in New York. Yeah. In, in in Louisiana, they actually have a form that each vendor has to has to take with them. The um, the Jefferson Parish um, uh, tax office is out there at the location. They hand each vendor individually a tax form and take their information. And they have to they have twenty days or thirty days to file their taxes. So it's not just quarterly. They have they have to file it twenty days after the event. Um, wow. And so so everything every as far as like. Any other regulations, like depending on animals, it, it all depends on the 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 animal control laws, uh, the ordinances in that area where the, where the venue is being where the where the show is being held. Um, certain areas don't like monitors; you can't bring monitors to certain shows. Um, and in a lot of the, a lot of the areas that we stay away from, don't let you bring in you know like like I said the big snakes. Uh, sometimes it's inevitable; sometimes you can't get around it though. Mm. Well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> all right, Donald. Do you have anything else for us tonight? Nope. I believe that's all my questions. Cool, man. All right. Thanks, Dominic. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling in. Yep.
Um, yeah, Dominic's got quite a collection of uh, uh, snakes and geckos, and I, I know sooner or later he's going to start vending, so um, it's uh, it's probably a good show for, for him to listen to a couple times. Um, yeah, and he can, yeah, he can Dominic, always hit me up, too. I, yeah, you could hit Sean up or myself. I mean, he's in Pennsylvania, so I'm, I'm probably a little better to help him a little bit you're with the guy. shows out here. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll help you. We'll help you, Dominic. Don't worry about it. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit. Of, uh, we're kind of we're going to end around nine thirty tonight, or eight thirty your time, Sean. But let's talk uh, briefly about um, like what do vendors expect from from clientele at at the expos. Like, is there is there any kind of etiquette people should be aware of when they go to the reptile expo? Have have your wallet out and a big fistful of cash in your hand when you come to the table. That's, that always that always that's always great for me. Um, no, but you it doesn't always happen though. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't always happen. Um, you know, vendors vendors are different. Um, each vendor has their own kind of policy. Um, you know, most vendors will have sanitizer on their table. Um, you know, used before and after handling any animal. Uh, and then some vendors won't even let you handle the animal unless you're uh, you're a legitimate buyer, um, and that's part of a lot of that has to do with the snake. A lot of the snake people are like that because of the chance to transmit mites and disease mites, and things like that yeah. so easily. Yeah, so yeah. you don't want to walk in and have, you know, and and that's another reason why I think like having our educational area and our kids' corner and things like that, we try to have a huge variety of species for those people to interact with. And so instead of walking around and holding every single person's $500 ball python, you can go to this area and hold a ball python, get used to how it moves and things like that, take pictures with it, and then decide if that's what you want to do. Um, you know, well, so, you know what? That's, that's, that's an innovation right there because we don't have yeah. that at the shows up, up where I am, Sean. And you know what? And it, it's nece- it's not necessarily a petting zoo when you come to a reptile show. It, exactly. So what, what, exactly. What you're creating is an, an innovation, which is really cool, actually. So go on. I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, no, that, and that's that's part of it. We want you know some vendors don't mind. Most of the leopard, leopard gecko people, we don't mind let you hold a gecko. <clears throat> you're not gonna yeah. you know it's not it's not as bad for 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 like a lizard or something like that than it is for for snakes. But if you're mm-hmm. a buyer and you're walking around and you run into a vendor that that doesn't want you to hold their animals, it's not a personal. It's nothing personal against you as a buyer. It's just one that person probably had a bad experience with something like that. Or two, they've heard the horror stories behind, you know, a lot of people holding their animals and getting getting something spread to their collection. Uh, most of those those issues, like with IBD and boas and things like that, are completely fatal to ball pythons and boas, uh, and that can yeah. wipe out your entire collection. There's no cure for it. <clears throat> mites are more of a nuisance. Yep. If you own snakes, you're going to get mites. It's just part of it. No matter what, there's not one single person that's kept snakes in any number that says they've never had mites. Um, I know yeah. a lot of people that are really, really particular about how they treat their things and, and stuff like that. But you don't want to you don't want to um, you don't want to go into a show expecting every single vendor there to let you hold their animal. Again, like you said, it's not really a petting zoo, uh, and we try to supply enough animals to get you you know enough diverse animals in our educational section so that you get an idea of what you're purchasing. And chances are, if you walk in and you're a breeder, a ball python guy, and you're going to spend five hundred, a thousand, two thousand, twenty thousand dollars on a ball python. You know what you're getting. 
You know, you're not just going to be yeah. going to buy a $20,000 pet for your, your eight-year-old son. You know, it's just not, that's not how it is. But so If you know, you're we, buying a $20,000 ball python, you don't care how mean or nasty it is. You, you, no. you need that for its genetics. That's, uh, that, that's, <laughs> right? that's, that's, that's an investment, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, you know, you know, and 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 go in, and and not everyone is going to be as negotiable as the other person too. So as a buyer, you know, the 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 vendors have have, have spent money getting to the location. They're putting up, they're they're you know they're uh, they're they're renting hotel rooms. Some of them rent vehicles. Um, they're paying people to help them. They've spent money on supplies getting to the show, deli cups, displays, lights, things like this. Then they actually have to rent the table from the venue promoter. Um, so it's they're minimum three or four hundred dollars to get there, usually. Oh yeah, I mean you're you're spending you're spending quite a bit of money. So those guys are still trying to make profit. They're trying to make you know trying to make profit. Nobody wants to just break even. Of course, they want to make money and have a good show. Uh, most right. of the vendors that we're, we're we deal with are you know they're they understand though they've been doing it long enough. But as a buyer, you know just don't don't expect to come in and let every single person handle you know, let you handle their animal. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know you're getting it directly from the breeder's mouth ninety ninety percent of the time. So there's no stupid mm-hmm. questions. Um, you, you got if you have a question, ask. Uh, they'll most of them be more than happy to you know to answer. Um, especially during especially with genetics and breeding and pairings and things like this. And if you if you are looking for something in particular, <clears throat> bring a picture. Uh, you, you know download a picture off of your phone. Uh, if you're looking for a certain gene or something like that, find a good example of it and bring it to show it to them. Uh, or if you're trying yep. to pair it with an animal that you have at home, bring a picture, show it to the breeder. Mm-hmm. They'll be more likely to be able to point you in the right direction. Um, but most of all, I mean, honestly, as a buyer, you're, you have fun. You know, walk around, look at everything. And, and probably 99% of the people don't mind you taking pictures, but it's always just good etiquette just to ask. Um, yeah. and, and like I said, I've never heard of anyone that's ever turned anyone down from taking a picture uh, of an animal on their table, but just, just ask, uh, it's just common courtesy kind of thing. Uh, that's, that's where you're going back to the etiquette thing. Just ask them if they don't mind. And nine times out of 10, they'll take the, they'll take it out and hold, let you hold it, or they'll take a picture of, of you with it. Um, you know, the breeders that are there are proud of what they produce. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of flattering yeah. for someone to come up and ask you to take a picture. But but other than that, let me ask you this. Really, yeah. Um, Christy, actually, it's Christy's question. Christy Hausman uh, from Ghoulish Geckos. You know her, right? Yeah, no, I don't know Christy at all. <laughs> you don't know Ghoulish Geckos? No, I'm yeah, just playing. That was do. a joke. I've known Christy for a long time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's got that really cool banner that, uh, that, um, What's her name made for her? Oh, I forgot. She's, uh, been, she's disappeared from Facebook. Brooke? Uh, yeah, Brooke, of course. That's right. Yep. Um, yep. All right, so Christy asked, I mean, you kind of answered this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to, you know, there's more to this question. Um, how do you deal with vendors who have had issues like bad selling practices, health, etc.? And she goes on to say, I know some shows don't ban anyone, but feel that but feel that some should for issues like crypto or hate racist type things or people who have scammed others out of large sums of money. I mean, let's face it. I, I know what she's saying. There's some pretty shady yeah. dudes out there. <clears throat> yeah, and, 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 yeah. 
the hard thing about that is, and, and I've only had to do this once, but the hard the hard thing about that is, a lot of what you hear from other people is all hearsay. I'm the type of person that if you do something wrong to me, then we have a problem. Um, yeah. If I hear other things going on, and it depends on who it's coming from, of course, the source, but again, it all comes down to what you're doing to affect my business and taking, you know, affect my family. Um, if you come to one of our shows and you have an animal that's obviously sick, the first thing I'm going to do is ask you to remove the animal. Um, and if you don't, then I'm sorry you're out the door. There's no questions asked. That's just okay. I have to be the bad guy in that situation. Uh, if there are we've had, we've run into a situation recently where a vendor has has been um, at one of the shows, not our show, but another show here, uh, had some animals that were dead on their table. Um, oh my God! These serious? Um, yeah, and it, there was there was a lot more to the story though. At first, everyone was out crucifying the guy, and uh, you know the guy ended up having pneumonia. He had someone else packing his animals. Uh, he had someone else taking care of his stuff. He didn't even really pay attention to what was on his table. He was he was sick at the show. He left early, um, but the the promoters themselves didn't do anything about it. Now that's 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 where we draw the line. Um, that's a problem. Now I've yeah. had a vendor that I know and trust. I've had a vendor that I know and trust come into a show and had some uh, baby um, uh, day geckos, and for whatever reason, during shipping or you know during. Uh, um, uh, packing or transporting them or whatever happened, a couple of them passed away. They died. They were on the table. And another promo- another vendor came and told me about it. <clears throat> that person was more than willing to take them off the table. They apologized. They're still apologizing to me uh, because you don't want that perception. And we walk, the- we walk the floor. We look at as many animals as we can to make sure nothing's out there. But our policy is always this. If you do something that's illegal, if you do something wrong, illegal means scamming somebody out of money, bringing in illegal animals, anything like that. Um, if you are reported for selling sick animals and not taking care of the issue, anything anything along those lines where it affects our business and our attendees and our vendors, having sick animals at your table, things like that, not treated, fresh import, anything like that, there, there's no second chance. It's it's over with. It's done. Uh, Let me there's ask you exceptions. This. There's exceptions to every rule. But right from a le- from a legal perspective, from a legal <laughs> and I'm just I'm just spinning with you, Sean. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's a couple guys out there that you and I know about that have uh, have really been um, what's the right what's the right word for this? Uh, um, not really very politically correct and uh, been very. Just nasty to people, and what uh-huh. if what if one of those types of people says, "Hey, Sean, I want to vent at your show," and you know that this person has caused all kinds of problems for a lot of other breeders that may be regular vendors at your venue, and yeah, they want to come in. What do you what do you do? I mean, and and there's legal, you, you, I mean, legal things to it too, right? I mean, can you just no, not can I, you say I'm no? Not, yeah, I'm absolutely. I'm the sole proprietor. I, people are buying a service or buying a product from me. I can refuse mm-hmm. to sell a product to anyone, and then says it on my website. Okay. But you know, I can refuse. I, I, we have in the state of Texas, we have right of refusal. Um, okay. So, this is the thing. Pe- 
Well, I heard this is the thing. I can't hear you, Sean. You still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Is that better? Now I hear you. you hit, okay. hit that little Bermuda Triangle zone in your basement there, I think. Yeah, it's, it's under my front porch here for some reason, but... No, I mean we've 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 taken our fair share of of uh, of hits and stuff, and we've heard rumors and things like that. But this is my deal: you have to separate business and, and friendship. Uh, a lot of these vendors I've been friends with because I've vended next to them for so many years. Mm-hmm. If someone's causing problems within the community with other people, I have to sit down with that person and say, "Look, if it continues, you can't come to the show," because this is what's going to happen. What people don't understand, and this is how reptile shows have been run in the past, is vendors have the power if a show exists or not, and especially in Texas. The vendors have the power. The vendors can, be, can join together. with that, right? There's, there, there's a lot of politics. Oh, you have to play yeah. politician all the time. But yeah. if the vendors – okay, so if I have one vendor that's causing issues and I have eight other vendors that refuse to do a show if I let that person is in – I have to make a business decision. That yeah, business decision exactly. is I, I still I still plead my case. If that person's never done anything wrong to me, then it's hard for me to say you can't come to my show. Yeah. If I have undeniable proof of wrongdoing or illegal activity or something like that, then I have no problem at all saying you, you're not allowed at the show. Um, so all of your vendors, though, you hope they're mature enough, but you know that not all of them are going to get along. You actually, yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to play devil's advocate. It's a competitive environment. Yeah. It's a very competitive environment, uh, and so you know that not everybody's going to get along or see eye to eye. The best thing you can do as a promoter is keep them separate, <laughs> keep them on opposite sides of the room, and let them both know if there's any problems that they're both gone. And I've never <laughs> had to, I've never had to physically have someone leave the show, uh, but mm-hmm. I have uh, unfortunately had to ban uh, a vendor that's done a previous show. And I don't want to get into all the details of that, but no, that's but again, fine. I won't it, that. Yeah, I wouldn't answer <clears> that. But yeah, it's 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 that's the side that a lot of these people will think. Okay, well, I'm just going to go put on a reptile show. I'm going to go rent a spot, throw some tables in there, and I'm and people are just going to come. It's not about that. Yeah, it takes yeah, every single show takes. Oh yeah, I mean, I take more stuff with me now to do a reptile expo than I do when I was vending. Um, yeah. it's it's crazy all the stuff that I have to take with me and all the the pre planning and the setup and and it's expensive. <laughs> it's another expensive habit. Um, it's very expensive because you don't see all the permits, you, the advertising money, um, everything that goes into it is just uh, the flyers, the shirts, the merchandise. Everything you can think of adds up. The travel expenses because yeah. I travel, I, you know, I go out to these places two or three weeks in advance and hand out flyers and coupons and talk to these shop owners and, and talk to people in the streets and bars and tattoo parlors and hot rod shops. And, you know, I'm all over the place, but people don't see all that side of it. So I put a lot of time yeah. and effort into it, and, and and I want the vendors to respect me for that. That doesn't mean it's always going to be the case. Promoting and marketing is huge. I mean, I see you posts about, you know, your advertisements being on the local radio and all kinds of stuff you're yeah. doing. I mean, that's that's like all behind-the-scenes things that the vendors and the people coming to the show, they don't know anything about. They just show up, and, you know, that's it. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of work, and it's constant. I get banned. Once a week, I usually get banned from Facebook from sharing because uh, I share too much or I post too much, but <laughs> I've got it down to I've got it down to a science now where I know where my limits are. So, And I know some people get 
some people get uh, a little frustrated with how many posts I post and share and things like that and groups and things like that. But if I wasn't doing it, that's less people through the door. That's less people that are right. going to buy from you. And now right. vendors are getting it in their heads. Vendors are getting it together now. They're they're sharing. Like I said, they're paying for their own ads in, in New Orleans because it just brings new people and it brings more people to your table. Yeah, exactly. But I'll no, tell you what. So, I'll tell so, you one thing. So right. Social media is is blowing away any other marketing. Oh, of course. As far as marketing dollars, you know, uh, you know, people per marketing dollar coming in through the door, social media is is completely blowing it away. Uh, Seventy-five yeah. to eighty percent of our people come through off social media. Because it's free so, and everybody can access it, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's a little tougher to promote a business on Facebook, so to speak, unless you're paying for, you know, to promote it's your expensive. page. But that, yeah, right. But that's where I, that's where I, it's I have expensive. to tell. But I, I'm just going to tell everybody that's listening. Um, you know, I've promoted my page a few times. I've done little ad campaigns, and uh, every time I do it, I get five, ten new customers every single time. So oh, absolutely, I. I think it's because, you know what, right now when you post on your business page, you know, maybe 100, say you have 1,000 subscribers, maybe 50 to 100 actually see what you post. But if you, you know, spend 5 bucks or 10 bucks and you're, you post your available album, you're, you're going to boost that up to like 500 or 1,000. Oh, yeah. And yeah, somebody's going to buy right now. <laughs> right now we're we're on our on our New Orleans page, I, I, I go through my insights and I, I, I track this stuff constantly. Where my money's going, and I mean, I'm running 20 something ads right now because I have Corpus Christi coming up and Dallas shows coming up. So I'm already, those ads are already running for our future shows. But our reach in the past month just on the New Orleans ads has been a little over 300,000 people that we've reached. And that's what that's paid awesome. advertising does on Facebook. Um, yeah. So. It, it is effective. It's there. It is. It, it's it's effective. It, it, it it's expensive, but you're getting yeah. a much higher yield on your return. Uh, you know, much higher yield on your return from doing that than than say like radio or billboards or or email lists and things like that. Um, and so you're reaching you're always, reaching the most in, you're reaching like most of the a lot of the most engaged reptile people too because yeah, a lot that's, of that's that's them what, are on that's Facebook. why that's how, yeah and that's. And you have to put that in when you're targeting your advertising. Your targeted advertising is towards geared towards reptile people, because um, yeah. that's that's going to be your biggest buying base. You know, so those are the people that you want. But then you've also got ads running just for the general public, because again, like we said earlier, you want new people to come into the hobby. You want those people right. to buy the next show. Right. So, and people that's reptile be, reptile buyers are impulse buyers. So all those new people that you get in, you still may get ten to fifteen percent of those buying from at the very first show because they're impulse buyers. We all are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, a lot of the impulse buyers don't tend to be people that'll buy that cheap gecko or that cheap uh, animal that's wild caught, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And those, if you're listening right now, you're thinking about that. I mean, I, I would always vote to buy captive born if you're a first time. Reptile buyer, buy from a breeder that breeds captive-born animals. Trust me, absolutely, so a much better absolutely. experience. Yeah. Um, I like to create yeah. shows that only do captive-born. Sean, what do you think about that? Only captive-born and raised they animals. Tried that, <laughs> it, it wasn't. It didn't go over very well. Um, you end up with <laughs> you end up with five or six 
crested gecko vendors, five or six Leo vendors, and twenty ball python breeders. Um, I'm not against I'm not against importation, but a lot of the people that we deal with that vend our shows, there's certain things that there's certain things that breeders want imported. Uh, chameleons are yeah. thing. you that that that's still able to you know they're still able to uh, outcross and, and and get new bloodlines and things like that. But there was a there was a show that tried that here and uh, it wasn't uh, it didn't go over very well. Um, and yeah. so. But you, but you know what? What's funny is you, you, you'll have one or two people that have imports on their table, but still, eighty percent of the show is captive. Yeah, um, of course. And we, yeah. and we try to we try to bring in vendors with a huge diversity of animals. Um, you don't want a lot of the complaints about the old school shows is it's just ball pythons. Well, you're always going to have fifteen to twenty ball python tables. It's just going to happen. That's just when you say old popular. school shows. What do you mean? Like five years ago? No, like 10, 15, 20 years ago when it was just, you know, it was a few morphs of ball pythons. You barely had anybody doing leopard geckos at those shows. Nobody had crests or anything like that. You had, that's, and back then there were people that were bringing, they were, they were still bringing in new stuff. Corn snakes, different hybrids, milks. Yeah, hybrids were big. Uh, Boas were even bigger then. Uh, we're yeah. starting to see more boa, more here in Texas especially, more boa people actually vending shows. Um, for a while there, you couldn't you couldn't drag a boa vendor to a show; they just sold online. Uh, it was a very specific yeah. clientele that they sold to. But now you're seeing more and more boa people get into it again, and it's good. Uh, our last Conroe show, we had four or five boa breeders there, uh, all with different stuff because boas are so dynamic. Uh, so you know it's. And then, but you also don't want to saturate your shelves. You don't want to have 15 dry good vendors or 10 rodent vendors because those people like that, they're buying product to resell. So their margins aren't as high. Their profit margin aren't aren't as high. So you you don't you kind of want to limit who you have come in, and it, it hurts people's feelings sometimes. But at the same time, if you don't, if those people aren't making money, they're not going to come back to your show. Uh, and that's, that's so you can't have a show without vendors. So what about leopard geckos? You got a lot of leopard gecko guys. What if I want to come down to Texas? Oh, you come. I'd love for you to come. Yeah, I'd love for you to come. Uh, we usually, like I said, we don't vend our own shows. Uh, we don't do it. Uh, we usually have um, gecko element uh, from Louisiana. I don't know if you've heard about these guys. Uh, awesome people, Jay and Tanya. They have. They have some crazy bright, beautiful geckos. Um, they're, nice. They're 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 fairly new. Uh, they're getting some. They're actually one of our sponsors for the New Orleans show. Uh, you guys can check that out on our website too. Um, and th- they're uh, they're really good people. They understand it. They've got a lot of passion for it. So we usually they're they're going to probably be at every one of our shows. Um, and we just have a couple of smaller here and there vendors, but. I think the last one we had probably three leopard gecko vendors there, which all did well. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, it's you, you got a little bit of everything, uh, and so you don't want to. And, and also depends on the size of the show too. Like if you're doing a thirty thousand square foot show with two hundred tables in it, then it's okay to have a few more here and there. Um, that's a lot because you're going to pull more people into that show. Uh, the smaller yeah. shows that you have, you know, a 10,000 square foot show, you only want a couple of each, um, you know, right. just because they're competing for that, that person's dollar. 
Um, so, but the thing is, is to get the people in the door. You have to bring the people in the door so they'll spend money with the vendors, so the vendors make money, so the vendors come back to the next show. It's just, it's a big circle. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I don't know, Sean. I think we did a great show tonight. What do you think? Yeah, it was fun. I like um, talking about this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think I think a lot of people get something out of this as far you know from the vendor perspective to the the buyer perspective. I think it's uh, I think we covered a broad range of topics. Um, yeah, and, and I'm always available to talk. Uh, I pretty much live on Facebook now. It's my job, pretty much. I have to post ads or check messages or you know checking stuff. So. If you catch me online on Facebook, you guys can always message me, ask me any questions. I'm I'm pretty much available most of the time. Hey Sean, you know, listen, do me a favor. If you if you'd like to, when when your shows are coming up, if you send me a message on uh, Facebook, I'll you know I'll promote it for you. I'll I'll uh, mention. Don't forget to check out the Herp show this Saturday or whatever. You know, coming up. Just let me yeah. know. Well, we I'll have we have uh, we have we have this one coming up in New Orleans. Uh, it's the first, like I said, it's our first show there. Um, we have about 125 tables, 130 tables booked already. Uh, it's the 27th and 28th. Um, it's the Alario Center in West Lego, and it's you can go to herpshow.net. Has all of our dates on the front page, uh, and then there's tabs that show you each show that we're doing and what dates and what locations, and we have maps on there. And we actually do pre-sale tickets. You can go online and buy your tickets. We like to do. Uh, we give away. Uh, $100 gift certificates. We do a random drawing for the people that pre-purchase their tickets. Uh, we give five $100 gift certificates for people to use at the show at any vendor they choose. Uh, and then, you know, of course, we we do giveaways for sharing and liking our page, inviting people. We give away free tables. We give away shirts, koozies. We give away family four-packs. So we're, there's always something going on. We're always trying to get the, the word out and get people involved. But <clears throat> but all of it's on herpshow.net. And then our our, our Facebook page, we have night. Yeah, and we have the the Facebook page, the uh, Houston Exotic Reptile and Pet Show. Uh, that's Facebook slash Herp Show, and then we have Facebook slash Night Glow Reptiles. And I need to get on there and post my available album. Just uh, been a little busy. <laughs> that's always the hardest thing for us breeders is to post the available album, isn't it? I mean, that's it's the hardest yeah. thing for me to do. Well, it, you got all these geckos for sale, but it's hard for me to take pictures and post them. Yeah, when I, I I've got probably two hundred I want to put up for sale, and it'll take me three or four days to do pictures for all those, you know. Oh um, my gosh. So it's going to take a while. Uh, so you know, but I, I got to I'm going to work on that after after New Orleans this weekend. We're actually headed out Tuesday to go down. I'm going to do some more marketing. I'm going to do a couple of news interviews uh, on the local news stations down there, and and uh, hand out some more coupons and flyers. I was down for Mardi Gras doing the same thing. That was pretty fun. So anything we can do to get the word out, man, I appreciate it. Well, that's awesome. Well, well, Sean, I, I think it's great that you took the next step and you you started doing your own expo. That's really cool, man. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with that. Anything we can do to help you, that you know, we'll be happy to. And uh, Just, let me, know. just, again just let me know when you're ready. Let me know when you're ready oh, to book yeah. some tables. I- yeah, sooner or later you may just see me. I'm I'm trying to get out of my shell a little bit and maybe I will take a ride down there. It's about two thousand yeah. miles though. So. You know, you can always ship everything and just fly in, you know. That's what a lot of people are doing yeah. nowadays, so Yeah. That's an option. We'll think about it. Well my friend's got a Tesla. 
and he likes doing road trips. So we're we're thinking about taking a road trip to Colorado. Uh, me and a oh, few nice. other friends. Uh, yeah, just to just to hang out and you know, well, we could talk about that another time. But uh, yeah. <laughs> then maybe then maybe, <laughs> maybe go down to to Texas. We'll see. But uh, you know, I haven't done a road trip with my buddies in a long time, so it might be fun. But uh, yeah, I'll be in touch, Sean. If I if I I would love to be able to come down and see Texas. I've never been there, and I'd love to to been there. Uh, maybe I will yeah, someday. We'd love to have you. Thank you, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, giving us some of your time tonight and insights. Uh, I think it's great, and I wish you the best of luck with your your expo and everything else you got going on this season. I appreciate it, man. All right, Sean. Well, have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Later. All right. Later. All right, folks, there you have it. Another good show. I, I think we got a lot of great information out tonight. Um, I hope it helps you guys about uh, Reptile Expos and uh, some Leopard Gecko Talk. It's always fun. But uh, don't forget to check out Herps, his Reptile Expo. Uh, the link is in the description for this, uh, this show on Facebook. And it's also in the description here on Blog Talk. Definitely check it out if you're in Texas or can get to Texas for the show and the surrounding states. That'd be great. Uh, Sean does a great job of his expos. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, we're going to talk about our sponsors real quick. Our sponsors are awesome, and I'm going to take you guys out with an awesome song. Our sponsors are, number one is leopardgecko.com. Check out Ron Tremper's work with all different types of amazing leopard gecko morphs, such as bandits, high yellows, extreme emerines, Raptors, and much, much more. Also, check out his app in the App Store called LG Pro. It's basically an encyclopedia of leopard gecko morphs, great for beginners. And he has another app called Leopard Gecko Care as well. Great stuff. Check him out. And, of course, Supreme Gecko. Mr. Wally Kern does an awesome job with Cresties and Day Geckos and all kinds of cool, obscure species that you don't see all the time. His website's also a wealth of information, so visit SupremeGecko.com. And, of course, Ohio Gecko. Uh, Ohio Gecko is very well known for working on all different types of leopard gecko morphs and fat tails. Uh, he's pioneering the fat tail gene to starburst. So that's uh, unique to his collection. Check that out at ohiogecko.com. And, of course, Gecko Boa Reptiles, geckoboa.com. If you guys are looking for some really high-end leopard gecko morphs and any of the subspecies and wild types, related to leopard geckos. John is the man for that. So go to Gecko Boa Reptiles on Facebook or geckoboa.com. And, of course, Rainbow Mealworms. We love Rainbow Mealworms. Rainbowmealworms.net. Best pricing, best customer service, all kinds of great stuff, not just mealworms. they got superworms, crickets, uh, roaches, too. Definitely give Rainbow Mealworms a shot. You will not be disappointed. That's rainbowmealworms.net. And if you're shipping your animals anywhere in the country or to Canada and now Puerto Rico, uh, use Reptiles Express for your FedEx labels. You get them at the best rates that I've found, and also any shipping supplies that you need, like cardboard insulated boxes, heat packs, deli cups, snake bags, and much more. So visit Reptiles Express. It's a, the membership is free, and if you have any trouble, ask for Amy. She'll help you out. And sea serpents, if you guys are breeding snakes or geckos or reptiles of any kind, sooner or later you're going to need a rack system and get rid of all those tanks all over your house. So check out sea serpents and hotbox incubators. Hot, top quality rack and incubator manufacturer right there, folks. 
All right, SeaSerpents.com. And if you guys need any kind of graphic design work or stickers or banners or stuff like that, visit ReptileStickers.com. Ask for Rachel. She'll totally help you out. And if you're sick of crickets chirping in your house, getting out and climbing the walls, keeping you up at night, switch to Dubia Roaches. Go with AB Dragons, abdragons.com. Use the code GNR, I'm sorry, use the code GECKO, all in caps, with AB Dragons, and you're going to get 5 or 10% off your order. They have all different types of roaches, just not just Dubias. They have uh, very obscure roaches that you don't see all the time as well. ABDragons.com, code is GECKO, all in caps. And the code for DBD Pet, that's GNR5, all in caps. DBDPet.com is the best reptile supply distributor that I've found, and we are proud to have them on board. As a, DBD Pet has anything you need from caging, lighting, supplementation, heat pads, FlexWatt heat tape, everything. All kinds of good stuff that you'll need. Decorations for your tank uh, or cages. Um, and they're at almost all the reptile shows on the East Coast, too. So if you see them at any of the expos on the East Coast, Mention Gecko Nation Radio. They'll give you 10% off on the spot uh, off their already low prices. And, of course, their website and app is dbdpet.com and use the code GNR5 for a discount on their uh, supplies online. All right, folks, I'm feeling a little instrumental to wrap things up for tonight. How about the original Superman score? Hope you like it. Until next time.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.